Right about now, I'm guessing that you guys are probably thinking, are you kidding me? There's more? How many women did Andrela Witcher victimize? Now you get a sense of how I felt when I first got that 50-page summary of victims and reports, and I kept scrolling and scrolling past different faces. Different women with a lot of the same stories. Now we're going to talk about Yvonne Belcher. The last time 21-year-old Andy Owens saw Yvonne was on December 22, 2000, at around 2 a.m. at the intersection of Highland Avenue and Walnut Street. This is in Green Cove Springs, Florida. An officer had been called to that intersection related to a verbal altercation that the two are having. Although having questioned a witness who was outside feeding his animals during the argument, he said there wasn't any physical violence, just arguing. Initially, when they were questioned, the two wouldn't be specific about what they were arguing about. Later, Andy would say it was about money and about drugs. In the presence of the officer, the two walked away together toward their residence. When Andy put his hand on the back of Yvonne's neck, the officer, who had stayed to watch them leave, instructed him to remove his hand from her and, quote, refrain from grabbing her in that way. Andy would later admit in the report that Yvonne told him not to grab her, and then she broke away from him and continued alone south on Highland. Andy repeatedly called for her to come back, but Yvonne ignored him. The officer continued to watch until she was out of sight to make sure that there wouldn't be another altercation between the two. As he left the area in his patrol vehicle, he observed that Yvonne had turned off Highland and was walking east on Idlewild Avenue between Highland and Vermont Streets, so she had made it a couple blocks south. So this is again around two in the morning and Yvonne had been wearing a black sweater, jeans and sneakers when she walked away from Andy at that intersection and the weather report listed in the low 30s with temperatures dipping below freezing in the overnight hours. The 25-year-old, five-foot-nothing, 100-pound blonde disappeared into the night. Andy later told police that he returned home alone and never saw Yvonne again. His mother backed that up, saying that she never returned to the residence that they shared. Two days later, on December 24th, this same officer responded to their house. Andy had told the officer that she never came home that night. The officer asked if that was common for her, and they had to admit that, yes, Yvonne did sometimes leave for a couple days at a time, once for about a week without contacting him or coming home. So the officer left, and he checked some of the places that Yvonne was known to frequent. But nothing turned up. Two days later, on the 26th, the day after Christmas, Andy went down to the Green Cove Springs Police Department to again tell them that Yvonne was still missing. He told police that Yvonne's aunt had called her place of work the SOS Show Bar and Lounge. Yvonne was a dancer at the club, but she had not been to work since the day before she had last been seen. Andy kept trying to tell them that she had been gone before for days at a time, but never for this long. So police followed up with her place of employment, and the manager said that it was common for Yvonne to not show up for work for several days in a row. As with a lot of the cases that we see on missing people, because there were no suspicious circumstances related to Yvonne going missing, and she wasn't dependent on any medications, she wasn't initially entered into FCIC and NCIC 
as a missing person. There was an attempt to contact Bolo put out, but it wasn't until the end of December, nine days after she went missing, that police started to think the circumstances were suspicious enough that she was entered as a missing person. But I have to give credit to the Green Cove Springs Police Department because they didn't just stop the investigation. They had done some initial interviews. She wasn't entered into NCIC in the first couple days, but they were still doing an investigation. It wasn't one of those cases where they just waited it out. They interviewed the boyfriend and his mom, her friends, and they started following up on leads. They learned a little bit about Yvonne. She was born in the former West Germany and moved to the United States with her parents as a child. They learned that she had a citizenship hearing coming up on the 2nd or 3rd of January after the holidays. There was even an active warrant out for her because of this, due to a July hearing on the matter which she had missed. At the time, the judge had issued a warrant for her to be picked up and deported. The report also states that a neighbor that lived behind Yvonne had called the INS the month that she went missing to report that Yvonne was living there. Police spoke to another friend of Yvonne's who told them that she couldn't remember the exact date, but about a week earlier, Yvonne had called three times to talk to her husband, but he wasn't home. Shortly thereafter, Yvonne showed up at their house. The husband still wasn't there. Yvonne left, and this friend never saw her again. Checking the map, this friend's residence was at 430 Olive Circle, about a mile from where the officer had last seen Yvonne. Another friend reported that a man known as T-Turtle had said Yvonne, quote, got a sugar daddy and left town. So that you guys understand the outside influences at play here, it's important to note that Yvonne Belcher was known to use drugs. And again, the notation is warranted because it appears that the drug use in this case may also have played a part in her disappearance. Yvonne was yet another soul who was vulnerable due to her addiction and everything that constantly needing money to feed that addiction entails. You know, when it comes to drugs and sex work, I think oftentimes people either avoid covering these cases at all or fail to discuss the details in a way that makes getting leads possible. Drug use is an addiction, and sex work is work. If we make a better effort to destigmatize both, We can actually tell these stories without judgment in a better way, a way that helps the public understand what we do know, so that they can aid law enforcement with the things that they don't. Like Heather's case, there was also domestic violence in Yvonne's relationship. In a March 2000 incident report, nine months before she disappeared, police were called to her residence, where they encountered Yvonne with a three-inch laceration under her right eye and the whole right side of her face was swollen and beginning to bruise. They asked what happened, and she said, she fell and hit a table with her face. Yvonne said that she came home after going out with friends after work, and her boyfriend Andy started accusing her of being out, quote, fucking somebody. An argument ensued. Yvonne said when she went to sit down on the couch, Andy jumped on top of her and held her down and started beating her in the face. During the beating, she fell off the couch and hit her face on the coffee table. Andy said that she was the aggressor. She came home, started tearing the place up, throwing things, and then she tripped and fell on the coffee table, busting her face open. Notably, he had no reported injuries. Yvonne was the only one who was injured. 
Andy was placed under arrest and taken to the Clay County Jail. But I want you to notice how when police arrived and they asked her what happened, Yvonne didn't say, my boyfriend punched me and jumped on me and I fell off the couch into the table. She said she fell and hit the table with her face. We accept the love that we think we deserve. Andy was looked at hard in this case, but police never found any indication that he had anything to do with Yvonne going missing. Despite being interviewed multiple times, despite having his home searched, despite being a shitty, abusive boyfriend. Andy Owens died of an overdose in November of 2004. But a couple things did come out in his interviews that could help us understand what may have happened to Yvonne. Andy would tell police that when they fought, it was over money and that Yvonne would want to go out and get drugs. When they didn't have the money, she would, quote, use other people. His mother, who lived with them, confirmed this. She said Andy would argue with Yvonne when she wanted to leave and go out and get drugs, and normally if she did go, she would disappear for a few days. She'd go down the street to get a hotel room for a week, but even then, she'd call them, or at least call her sister. He also said that when she disappeared, her best friend usually knew where she was. But that didn't happen in this case. Nobody knew where she was. Police point-blank asked Andy if Yvonne was exchanging sex for drugs, and he said he didn't know, but he couldn't imagine that she would. He told police that he had heard the name Turtle. He didn't know the guy, but he repeatedly said in statements that they should find and question him. I found a handwritten note in the report that read, quote, T-Turtle troubles me. If these notes are correct, he saw her twice that night. Is this just a coincidence? Remember, a friend of Yvonne's said that he told her Yvonne had gotten a sugar daddy and left town. Then I got a hold of a report from another agency that also mentions T-Turtle. This report is written in August of 2001, eight months after Yvonne had gone missing. A tip had come into the Clay County Sheriff's Department. An individual said that a subject by the name of T-Turtle and another individual named Corey had sex with Yvonne for crack cocaine one night in Green Cove Springs. They drove her in a van to the residence of a locally known crack house on Campbell Avenue in nearby Orange Park. This would be about 14 miles north of the area where she was last seen. From a May 20, 2000 edition of the Florida Times Union, quote, An undercover investigation by the Clay County Drug Task Force led to the arrests Monday of seven people at an Orange Park residence on the 200 block of Campbell Street that police described as a crack house. Peter Quaricius, owner of the house, was charged with multiple counts of sale and delivery of cocaine and possession of drug paraphernalia after Clay County Sheriff's SWAT team executed a search warrant. Six others who were in the house at the time were also arrested on various drug-related charges and other unrelated outstanding arrest warrants. The task force commander said the Campbell Street residence has been a thorn in the side of law enforcement for several months. According to the article, the 50-year-old owner of the home ran the crack house and served as the broker for drug users and drug dealers. He usually received money or crack cocaine in exchange for allowing people to use his house for illegal drug activity. What allegedly happened at that crack house is what brings us to Andrela Witcher's possible involvement 
in Yvonne Belcher's Disappearance and Death. The tipster had information that after T. Turtle and Corey brought Yvonne there to the crack house, they all continued to smoke crack together with an individual known as Slim. I want to mention that I personally heard Andrelo referred to as Slim in multiple jail calls that I reviewed and his Florida Department of Corrections offender page lists one of his alias as Slim or Slim Witcher along with Pumpkin. In fact, even his mother referred to him as Slim in a few of those jail calls. So according to this story from the tipster, Slim was supplying crack cocaine to Yvonne on the night in question, but at some point, she stole some of his drugs. Yvonne, quote, freaked out when Slim realized she'd stolen from him and he hit her on the head, possibly with an object, killing her. The tipster said that the owner of the crack house told Slim to get rid of her. Now remember, his place had been raided just months before, and that case was still awaiting adjudication, so he certainly didn't need any more trouble. At this point, the story alleges, Slim took Yvonne to an unknown location in Middleburg, Florida, and disposed of her body. So, given what I had to work with, I did what I could do to verify elements of this story. And here's what I came up with. First, in Yvonne's case file, I found a handwritten note about a van that Yvonne was spotted in the day after she went missing around 11 p.m. The tipster's story said that T. Turtle and Corey brought Yvonne to the crack house in a van. This white Chevy van had blue pinstripes down the side and a Duval County tag. This sighting was at a residence on Vermont Street, an address that, according to her boyfriend's brother, Yvonne had stayed at when they had once broken up. There's another note in the report stating that a friend dropped Yvonne off at Vermont and Olive Circle at 3.30 or 4 a.m., which is in that same general vicinity. So it does seem like she was in that general area the night after her boyfriend last saw her, prior to her going missing. Then I reached out to a friend of Yvonne's, someone who had been mentioned in the report. She confirmed that T. Turtle and Corey were locals that they used to party with from time to time and they also obtained drugs from them. She said it was not uncommon for them to party with a group like that, smoke all the drugs, promise people things, and then when the drugs were gone, they'd leave. She had heard a story over the years that Yvonne was taken to a crack house, there was sex involved, and that Yvonne had stolen drugs from one of them. When I asked her where they would generally meet up for these parties, she said at different crack houses, depending on who was partying that night. Next, I located a police report from the Clay County Sheriff's Office where Andrela was questioned about the crack house incident back in 2001. They interviewed him after that tip at the county jail where he was cooling his heels yet again on an unrelated matter. And it should be noted that this is way back in early 2000, years before these other women went missing. When asked where he lived, Andrela told them he'd been living with his mother in Orange Park for two and a half years. The address he gave on Park Avenue is 0.3 miles, or about a block, away from the crack house where the incident in question occurred. Andrela was shown a picture of the man who owned the crack house. You know this guy? The investigator asked. Yes, Andrelo said, he did. Andrelo was then shown a picture of the man who had told the story about that night in the crack house. You know this guy? 
Andrelo acknowledged that yes, he knew him from going to that crack house. Next, he was shown pictures of Tea Turtle and Cory. And this is where Andrelo seemed to waffle. He said, they look familiar, but he couldn't be sure he'd ever seen them at the crack house. Now here's where I'm going to call bullshit, because I was able to verify with someone who knew Andrelo very well during this time that he did, in fact, hang out regularly with Tea Turtle and Cory. So that's our first indication that Andrelo is not being truthful in this interview. And interestingly, what he's doing is he's distancing himself from two individuals that may have knowledge about the incident in question. When the Clay County Sheriff's investigator showed Andrelo a picture of Yvonne Belcher, he said that he had never seen her before. Then they asked Andrelo where he lived at the end of 2000, around the time Yvonne went missing. Andrelo said that he got out of prison on August 13, 2000, and stayed for about a month at his mom's residence, and then traveled to Spain with his parents, and didn't return until after the first of the year, 2001. Andrelo said he didn't hang out much at the crack house, quote, because of the things going on there, such as drugs. Now remember, we know he's selling drugs at this time because people who knew him then said he was, and we know he was doing them at that time, based on his cousin Turtle's interview and Andrelo's admission about smoking blunts laced with cocaine. Now real quick, I need to make something clear. T-Turtle is not the same person as Andrelo's cousin Turtle. These are two different people. T-Turtle's full name is listed in the report. So, yeah, there would be two turtles listed in Andrea Witcher's version of This Is Your Life. As far as the two individuals who allegedly brought Yvonne to the crack house that night, T. Turtle and Corey, they both have criminal histories that include drug charges. Corey has multiple violent offenses under his belt to include multiple domestic violence injunctions and a past manslaughter conviction, which netted him a 14-year conviction when he was just 18 years old. I only wish I could provide you with documentation regarding Andrelo's alibi that night. Whether his story about being in Spain when Yvonne Belcher went missing is accurate or not. But I'll tell you one thing. Police have most certainly checked into his alibi on the date in question. When I tried to get more information related to this specific angle of the investigation, I was told that the Clay County Sheriff's Office had turned over interviews related to this matter. And, quote, all information acquired from these interviews was given to the FBI. If you have any information about the disappearance of Yvonne Belcher, please contact the Green Cove Springs Police Department at area code 904-297-7300. Stay tuned for the final episode of Season 13.